Um, this morning, as we, we close off the year, I'm really going to just kind of feed off of what Nino would have shared. And uh, so Nino has, has given us the collective charge all in. So, so we've, we've been given a, a vision as to what we need to look like as a group. But when you go back to that passage in 1 Corinthians 12, remember that the body is made up of each individual part. So for all in to happen, it means that every individual has to do his or her part. Are you with me here? And so this morning, my message and my charge to us is one single word. It's focus. Ending off the year is a great time to regain our focus. So I'm moving away from the collective because we've, we've seen that. I want for us to now focus individually. Because you know that could go. Sometimes we could hear a message and we feel like, I hope this brother comes to church today. This is for him. You know how that goes. But uh, let me check in the back and see if this is stuck on because she needs to hear this. No, no, no. Don't focus on the other person. Let's focus individually on us. So let me help us out with a couple of definitions here. The verb focus. To concentrate effort or attention. If it's used as a noun, it means it's a center of activity, a center of attraction, a center of attention. Focus means directed attention. That's focus. It involves concentration. It involves direction on a specific point or target. Going back a little bit further, the roots and so much of, of the English language has roots in Latin. So we have this word trahere. As a noun, it means traction. The verb form of it means to draw or to pull. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we have distracting, the verb. And it means to turn or to draw a person away or aside from an object. Or it could mean to turn or to draw your mind away from an object. Distracting is to divert attention away from one point to another point. And that's where we get the verb distract us. Distrahere. And of course, we know the English word would be what? Distraction. If there's any obstacle to focusing, it's distraction. Have you ever been distracted before? In Trinidad and Tobago, we have passed our driving laws. Don't drive distracted because it can cause an accident. So we don't text. And we don't use the phone without hands free. Amen? Yeah. I hear amen from everybody there, boy. Some, some people have some confession to do. But they've outlawed driving and texting because distracted driving causes accidents and death. And I believe more and more states in the United States have been outlawing texting and driving. Some of the most dangerous pedestrians are the ones who are walking like this. Guilty as charged, some of us. That leads to accidents. Distraction stops us from focus. I'll share by way of confession. When I come into church, I leave my telephone in 
the car. I'll tell you why. Like many of us, I would have my Bible on the phone. Yes, you're with me here. And many of us legitimately read the Bible and actually take notes on our phone, not so? But I remember catching myself reading and answering WhatsApp messages during church. Am I alone here? Hmm, don't put up your hand. <laughs> and when I realized, wait now. Yeah, I'm I, I listening to the message, I'm following the worship, but that little ping or whatever it was, and I looked down and, well, let me just answer this quickly. And wait, Terry, you in church, partner. So I go on old school again. <laughs> you all with me? When I come into church, my phone in the glove compartment, and I go on old school, I have pen, and I have my little notepad, and I write in. I ain't telling everybody I have to leave your phone outside, and I'm just saying, watch the distractions. Because even that very instrument with your Bible can end up becoming a distraction. Have you ever been distracted by people talking in church? Gosh, but as the loudest amen so far, boy. Some conversations happening today. You're trying to listen to the message and some brother or sister just... It's like, wait until after church we need to focus. You're with me here. Distraction is a part of life. And so even as we think about 2020 and our, our spiritual charge to be all in, we've got to be thinking about what are the things that have distracted me spiritually. The next slide says, traction draws you toward what you want in life while distraction pulls you away. That's the difference between traction and distraction. Check this next slide out. Here's the name of this book. Look at the name. The name of the book is Indistractable. It is already a bestseller in the United States. Some other authors read the book and they said, you know what? The number one skill of the 21st century is to become indestructible. And this is not a book that is written in a spiritual context. It's just talking about the difficulty of staying focused. Indestructible. Very, very quickly. Bestseller in the U.S. And the author says, traction helps us to accomplish our goals. Distraction leads us away from them. Here's the number one lesson, or perhaps the number one lesson that I got from the book. The author says, you can't call something a distraction unless you know what it's distracting you from. That's powerful. It's powerful. Now, don't be afraid. I'm going to be in the Bible. But I, I was sharing fairly recently a lot of the wisdom, the modern-day thought leaders. I've, I've been investing a lot in reading what the thought leaders have because they've just developed in a, in, a, in a great way a lot of very useful principles. But you know what I discovered? God always said it first. Now, that don't mean I'm going to stop reading the books. You know, there's great material to learn, huh? from a lot of these authors. But over and over again, I realized God said it first. And some of these authors, some of them, they, 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 they do claim, look, I got this from the Bible. And others don't, but I look back and I realize, hey, this is biblical. 
So is distraction something that there was a struggle with in the scriptures? Absolutely. Follow with me, whether on the screen or in your Bibles. I'm in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary. This is a familiar passage, guys. Who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was what? Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted. And what was she distracted with? She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Distractions may not even necessarily be a bad thing. It's just it's not the number one thing you should be focusing on. So is there anything inherently wrong with Martha wanting to show hospitality to prepare for Jesus? There's nothing inherently wrong with that. But yet still, the Spirit, the Luke says through the Spirit's inspiration that Martha was distracted. Not only is she distracted, but as we say in Trinidad, she taught in feelings too. <laughs> she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She's struggling. She's struggling. What going on with Mary is this sister, there she goes again. Leave all the work for me to do. What does Jesus say? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. I find these are five of the most instructive verses in scripture. Five simple verses from verses 38 to 42. And it, it, it tells so much about what really matters. And in verse 42, Jesus says, and this is the new NIV, updated in 2011, only a few things are needed or indeed only one. On the next slide, I've actually taken you back to the older NIV, the 1984 version, where verse 41 and verse 42 ends, but only one thing is needed. And then he goes on to say, Mary has chosen what is better. So she had a choice to make. She made the better choice. Jesus says, only one thing is needed. One thing. When your Lord says, only one thing is needed, that is something to pay attention to. Because he is helping us with our focus. What has distracted you in 2019? What has distracted you? I am convinced as a church of 30 years old, we have incredible brothers and sisters. Incredible. Whose hearts for God continue to be aflame and who desire to honor God with their lives. Uh, to me, the, our issue is never the desires of our hearts. To me, our issue is, is distraction. <laughs> Can we be honest about that? Can we be honest about the fact that we started off maybe with a particular focus in January 2019 and by December we're like, hey boy, somehow I just kind of went off the rails. And distraction is real. 
What distracted you from this year being your best spiritual year? And you know, guys, you realize every so often God pulled us back in, 20, in 2019. Eh? And we remember what God used to get our attention. Death. Guys, you remember what this year was like? Brothers and sisters in the church, people who used to be a part of the church, all ages, we had natural, you know, sickness. We had gunshots. We had drownings. We had just sister just collapsing after work and dying in her 40s. I mean, it was rough. Some of us lost family members. I lost an older brother from cancer in his blood. All of this 2019, it was, it was a tough year. It was a tough year. But there's nothing like the soberness of, of, of death and a funeral to kind of stop and make us think, boy, what really matters in this life, boy? You know how that goes? So I think God has, has tried to catch our attention. Say, guys, there's a perspective here. There's, let's keep eternity in view. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Any lessons that we can learn again from Jesus in all his wisdom in verse 17? I'm reading from the TNIV, which is, um, should read fairly closely to what most of us are using. In Mark 10 and verse 17. It's good to hear Bibles turning. That's so rare <laughs> in 2019. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. Why? He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. So I've extracted verse 21 for you to look and see. As Jesus interacted with the rich young man, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And what did Jesus say? One thing you lack. So you'll follow this. To Mary and Martha, he says, one thing is needed. To the rich young man, he says, one thing you lack. Do you see Jesus' focus? Whether it is something that you needed to do or something that could be an obstacle, he boils it down to one thing. You know what's convicting about the rich young ruler? He had a lot of obedient actions going on. And yet still, it seems to me that he missed out on the kingdom of God because of one thing. And this is sobering. We could be, in our discipleship, practicing a lot of external behavior that looks Christian. Are you with me? But there's one thing that could still separate us. From making it to heaven. One thing. And so I ask us the question again. 
what distracted you in 2019? I want to hazard a guess for us as a church. If there's possibly one thing that has become a bit of an idol for us, I think it's our schedules. Follow me here. I think it's our schedules. Our time. I am not convinced that Jesus is still Lord of our time. Can I go there? I'm not convinced that Jesus is still Lord of our schedules. And the main evidence for that is the general lack of availability to be involved on the mission. I think across the church, I think we've, we have pockets of brothers and sisters who have, I think, been strategic enough to set up their schedules in such a way that they're available. I think a large majority of us are so busy, we are no longer on the mission. I think this could be our one thing. And we could be comfortable with regular church attendance and even being involved in a ministry. But I ask us, if the people who studied the Bible with us had the schedules that we currently have, would we have ever become Christians? Think about that. People studied with us, yes? To teach us the truth of the scriptures. For many of us, well, Nino was different. He was like three days. Catherine Peters was like five days. Them different. Right? <laughs> The rest of us, it took a little while. Some of us, it took months. Some of us, it took years. But guys, let's think back. We had brothers and sisters who cleared time to study with us, yes? And now, years later, we are reaping the benefits of spiritual blessing, of relationships, etc. But we're not giving that to others. There's something wrong with that picture. If the people who studied with us were conducting our lives, their lives, the way that we do now, we would not have had people studying with us. They would have been too busy. So I think even a sense of gratitude makes to, needs to make us stop and think, have I become too busy to be involved in the mission? Have I become too busy to be involved in one another, discipling or mentoring relationships? I want to offer a solution. All right? Michelle and I had our discipling time with the Cunninghams this weekend. It was great. One of the things Alan spoke about, and again, the thought leaders talk about it, is, is they, they call it time boxing. All right? And it, it means in your schedule, you literally block out time to do particular things. And I'm not going to get into all of the specifics of what time boxing would look like for an entire week. But one of the things that the, the Cunningham shared with us is that they have devoted certain hours and certain days where they're available. So people know. So they look at the schedule, they set it up, they look at the month, they look at the week, however it is they plan it out, they say, see, these days, at these hours, our schedule is available. It might be counseling, it might be a Bible study. So I'm, I'm trying to give us a practical solution. We have genuine things going on in our lives. What I'm saying is, let's be practical. Time box. 
Look at your schedule with your spouse, with your co-workers, with whoever it might be, your, 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 I mean your roommates, whoever it might be. Figure out when in my schedule am I available to be able to teach other people the Bible. We are disciples first. We, can't, we cannot become too busy for the mission. It's not the only thing. But the Great Commission does not cease because our lives have become busier. And yes, we have more going on and some of us have children and young children and we have special needs and we have classes that we might be doing for legitimate, legitimate purposes. You still have to time box. You still have to make time. I'm worried <laughs> that the one thing that could really hurt us as a church is that we are no longer generous with our schedules. Work it out. Sit down with somebody. Guys, don't let the new year start and you say amen today and you haven't changed it. Don't. I am not looking for amens or popularity. Together, I want all of us to change and repent so we could be available. Could be available. Yes, Neil, it's a sacrifice that it will take. There's nothing comfortable didn't Jesus say that? The son of man has no place to? We know the scripture. <laughs> Knowing the scripture does not translate to doing it. And that's where we can, I know what it says. Are we living it out? So maybe your one thing is something else. It might be a relationship. It might be something you're pursuing. I'm just making a guess that generally as a church, our one thing that could prevent us from being with Jesus is our time. If your Christianity has now become, I attend church on Sundays, and that's it, you've got to look at that. You've got to look at that. And I think that's where some of us are at. We're faithfully here, you know. But in terms of the mission, there's nothing else that we do. We're going to be all in. I'm going to start wrapping up. Here's another book. You all see the name of it? If you can't figure it out, it says The One Thing. I tell you, God said it first. <laughs> God said it first. Another bestseller. A New York Times bestseller, a Wall Street Journal bestseller. The One Thing. The modern day thought leaders have figured it out. If you're going to have an effective life of impact, they're saying you can't be all over the place. You have to focus. And I've shared with you all before the book that I read earlier on essentialism. What does he say? Man, you got to separate the vital few from the trivial many. And the thesis of the book is most things in life, not really that important. And it's true. Think about it. There's a lot of stuff that we're involved in that really not that important, you know. Separate the vital few from the trivial many. There are few things that really matter in this life. And even the modern day thought leaders outside of Christianity have figured it out. They say one thing, bestseller, essentialism, bestseller. These guys figured out, God said it first. God said it first. Are you going to regain your focus? In Matthew chapter 6, moving towards the finish line here. So do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Says Jesus. For pagans run after all these things, and the Heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the first thing Jesus is saying is, take it one day at a time. You all know the old time song, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, yeah? That's all I'm asking for of you, yeah? You know it? Well, those of us who might be 40-something and over, who grew up listening to it on Radio 610 AM, was it? One day at a time. Jesus says one day at a time. You see, when tomorrow comes, that is enough worry. So just deal with today's problems alone, right? Let's, let's just deal one day at a time. But in terms of the big picture, Jesus reminds us that priority was originally a singular word. Remember I told you all that before? When that word priority was originated in the, in the 14th century, it was singular. Priority from the Latin word prior, it meant, it meant one main thing. And somehow, by the time we got to the 1900s, priority became plural. Priorities. So this week, I am listening to some material on church multiplication. I'm looking at, you know, different material on church growth, etc. And, and I'm reading this, this, you know, this notes from a podcast. And he says, okay, here are the top 10 core priorities. I just moved on. I said, 10 core priorities, partner? No, I need one. <laughs> So honestly, I mean, I, I, I try to finish what I start, but when I see 10 core priorities, I say, partner, these are too involved. Let's break it down for me. Not as young as I used to be. I need one thing. So priorities is now plural, but originally it was singular. Look what Jesus said. First the kingdom. First the kingdom. No matter what you have going on in your life, that priority will change, you know, if you're a disciple. Your job is your mission field. Your neighborhood is your mission field. Your family is your mission field. That does not stop. And maybe when we were younger, we were more available to go out. But in our, with our 30 year life, and we, we've evolved as a church, we have to figure out what does zeal for God look like as a 30 year old church. Because it's going to look different than what it was 15 or 20 years ago. But we still got to implement those principles. Jesus says, first, the kingdom. Are we going to be all in in 2020 seeking the kingdom first? It's first, you know. And you have to love how I said it to our brother this week. Jesus was an essentialist. Remember they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love who? Love God, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he said, the second is close to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. Nice Christian singer by the name of Danny Goki sang a song. Love God, love people. Love people. I always play in it in the house and my son likes it as well too. Love God, love people. First and second. Clear, clear, clear. You all read Ecclesiastes before, right? Remember after the, you get to chapter 12. After all is said and done, what matters? What's the, what's the conclusion he say? Fear God, obey his commandments. One thing. It's biblical, guys. One focus. And so this is the prayer that we close with. Psalm 27, verses 1 and 4. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is a favorite verse of ours. Go down to verse 4. How does verse 4 start, guys? One thing. I ask from the Lord. This is David. It says, one thing. This only do I seek. Y'all see that? David says, 
this is the only thing I'm seeking, one thing. What is it? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David said, you know what, God? One thing matters. I want to walk closely with you. Everything else, as they say, is frosting and gravy. You see this? This is the one thing I seek. And I'm asking us as we go into 2020, is loving God first the most important thing in our lives? Not just in heart, but also in action. I think we can get there. And I think the time of prayer and fasting, which is going to allow us to have some stillness and some quiet and some solitude, will really channel our hearts and minds and remind us of what really matters. Because there were some people this Christmas who were planning to have a Christmas family celebrations and were burying people. Earlier this month, I was at a workshop, a football workshop with Denzel. And Denzel pointed out somebody to me in the audience, a national footballer. And we were just having a, a development seminar and he pointed out the footballer. And then, like, the following week, there's an accident in South with a pole that falls on a car. And it explodes and four people die. And Denzel confirmed with me, yeah, that national footballer was the same guy who we were with in the workshop. So I'm there thinking, boy, okay, this is work and I'm facilitating a seminar and trying to instruct and educate and everybody's here and we're planning for the next day. And what? 2019 has been like that. I do, guys, I don't want to have, to have death be my motivation for being all in. <laughs> you all with me? Let me don't wait for that drama. Let me pray. Let me, let me fast. Sorry, we have people from outside of Trinidad Tobago. Let us pray. I realize I've gone real dialect there. Sorry for brothers and sisters visiting from, you know, all over the world. We shall pray together. We shall fast together. We shall beseech the good face of the Lord together. And we shall overcome. God bless you all.